You are now listening to the Motivational Mentors Podcast with your hosts, Luke Burrows. Touch on morning routines. I think people have to find something that works for them. And Arsenio Buck. Hey, Arsenio, let's go party. We need to party. If someone asked me to party right now, Luke, come on. What the hell's a party? A party? What? A party for what? All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Motivational Mentors with myself, Luke Burrows, and Arsenio. Oh, Arsenio, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm right here, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. So, guys, today we have a guest. Katie Thankhauser has joined us. Katie, are you there? I am. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks. It's a pleasure being here. Katie, you're on the Team USA for kayak kayaking, right? And um, Come on. yeah, Come on, <laughs> long day. No, it's, it's a long day. It's only, it's only quarter past one. Anyway, um, and so, yeah, I was just wondering if the listeners who don't know who you are, give a little bit uh, more about yourself and some of the awesome things that you're up to right now. Yeah, I, well, I like you said, I'm a competitive freestyle whitewater kayaker. Uh, I'm currently on Team USA and... I compete all over the country in the U.S. and now the world. I've been to Argentina and Chile. I spent some time in Canada over this last summer. Um, I absolutely love it. And the way the competitions work for freestyle is that you have a timed limit where you're surfing a feature in a river, so a wave or what we call a hole, and you do tricks in it. So every trick that you do is worth a certain amount of points. And then however many points you can rack up in one minute is your score and highest score wins. Wow. And so, yeah, what I wanted to bring you on is because just like, I mean, 16 years old and you're doing what you're doing, Team USA, like, I just want to like dive into your mindset really. Um, and you, you know, we were talking before about some of the, obviously having to make sacrifices in that. So I suppose to start off, just like talk about the mindset that you have to have com- competing it, you know, at this level of, of sport. Yeah, I think setting goals is just what I focus on the most and everything else kind of has to follow because if you set goals, then you have to stay determined and you have to stay focused on that goal and not stray away from it. Um, I think setting realistic goals is really important. Because if you set one that's too high, then when you don't accomplish it the first time, then you might get too discouraged and uh, it might feel too far out of reach. So setting goals like steps. Um, So you can't have a goal to win the world championships until you have the goal to make Team USA. Exactly. So I I think setting goals and setting realistic step-by-step goals is really important. And so how do you go about like goal setting? Because I know a lot of high school athletes, including myself, you know, I would always say, hey, you know, for the 110 meter high hurdles, man, I, <laughs> I'm going to get 14.5. That was completely unrealistic because the fastest time I ever had was 16.2. So, I mean, for high school athletes, some of them say, oh, I'm going to go from running a 24, 200 meter to running a 20. But they don't understand that running a 20, that's a world class athlete and they don't take those small incremental steps that they should be taking they just want to go for the big shebang such as the macro uh but they forgot that or of course they tend to forget that those micro wins are the most important part so how do you go about goal setting i take it one step at a time um i said it before competitions so before i go off of what i've done so however if i've 
I've scored 510 points as my highest score in past competitions. Um, and that I used to transfer over into, okay, if I can do that here, then how many more points, how many more tricks can I get in in this next competition? What's the next small thing I'm going to add into my routine that's going to get me those extra points and then ultimately have the goal of breaking whatever my ultimate top score is. But going competition to competition, setting individual goals for the specific day, I think is the biggest thing because if you look too big at the big picture, Mm -hmm. too much at the big picture, then sometimes it can scare you away. Like you said, unrealistic goals, setting four seconds off a 200 meter, (laughs) that's a lot. And then when you only cut off half a second, it seems like such a minor accomplishment that you forget to celebrate it. Exactly. So setting setting those minor accomplishments as goals makes, keeps you going. It keeps you motivated and excited to go for the next goal. And then ultimately that's the way you're going to get to four seconds off of a 200 meter with half a second here, 0.3 second there. And it all will add up. There you go. So I really want to ask you real quick now with kayaking, you know, I, I, for one reason, I don't know why, but I thought about you going through a raft, like white water rafting. So with kayaking, <laughs> or it's just it's just solo, right? And you're going down that same type of river, perhaps, or yeah, and yes. oh, okay, okay. So it's the same thing, and you're flipping over. Rocks are crazy. The current's insane. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, in in freestyle kayaking, you're in a short boat that's only about as long as your legs, oh, wow. and you just sit with your legs out in front of you and control the boat with your knees, and do tricks and flips as in like you plug your bow into the water when you're surfing and it'll shoot you into the air and you can do a front flip. Oh, really? Oh and, my okay. yes. Front flips and yes. go. Oh my God. And you can do back flips and front flips with a twist and pretty much all the tricks are based off of that front flip that we call a loop. And they all develop in different ways and have different tricks and get different bonuses for air or uh, style points in some competitions. Awesome. So how did you get into this? Um, I actually saw an ad in the newspaper, of the all newspaper. things. I was just just after I had quit gymnastics, I was bored and I needed something else to do. And I saw an ad for the Lions Kids Kayak Club here in my hometown. And I thought, hey, that looked fun. And I went to one of them and learned how to roll in a pool. And I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. So, again, these types of outdoor sports uh, out there in Colorado, of course, you know, I'm guessing uh, a lot of people, they end up taking up snowboarding, skiing, and stuff like that also, right? Yes, definitely. Okay, compared to, of course, Las Vegas, where I'm from, uh, we just take up uh, – um, yeah, I don't. I really don't know what we take up out there. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So here we go. I like this question. Here, so you again, sixty years old. You're, you know, Team USA. You got big things happening. Okay, university. What, what do you do? You have any idea what you're gonna do with you university? Like some track and field athletes, they turn pro out of high school instead of going to university. Uh, I don't know how that works with you. And again, is this very, very overwhelming? Because for a 16-year-old, oh, I remember when I was 16, man, I was an emotional wreck, you know? So 
I mean, I don't know how <laughs> difficult it is juggling so many different things at one time, especially with your studies. You still be at 16. You're going to have to take these entrance exams to get out. And so you can get your diploma on top of being Team USA. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I have thought a little bit about what I'm going to do after high school. Um, it's kind of hard because I'm trying to account for all of these things between school and kayaking and running. Hopefully I can run on a scholarship in college, which would be really cool. Maybe major in something like engineering or hydraulics engineering that I can use wow. with my kayaking. There you go. So we, you know, we spoke about before about, you know, kayaking actually being your passion, would you say? Yes. And so can you go like professional or, you know, and you make this your career? And is that yes. something that you want to do? Um, I think at some point it would be kind of cool, but it's, okay. it's not a huge scene. So it's doesn't, there's not a huge amount of money in it unless you are the very, very best. Um, and you have someone sponsoring you like Red Bull or Adidas. But I think that working my way up toward that, I do have a few sponsors. I consider myself semi-pro on, on paper, they say I'm pro, but not compared to the actual pros. Um, and I think going pro would be kind of hard right out of high school because I'm plan on going to school, but maybe after college. Okay. And um, how did you get into the well to represent your, your country, Team USA? So they hold team trials every two years. And you actually, you go to a specific competition and you compete to be on the team with your age group. What age was, did you get in? Like, was that a recent thing or? Um, I made the 2017 team. So I'll have to defend my spot oh, again in 2019. So you have to defend your spot. Okay. Okay. So it's only for two years. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> the stress behind that. Yeah. And how do you feel going into that? Because uh, 2019 is uh, a couple weeks away. You know, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've I'm starting to notice that it's a couple <laughs> weeks away. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard because there's no water here in Colorado over the winter, so I don't have a ton of places to train. Uh, all my water is frozen. <laughs> so so how do you manage that? I I do a lot of indoor kayaking just on flat water. Uh, practicing tricks and stuff there. And I do a lot of cross training. I run, I lift, I climb uh, all and ski all to just keep myself in good physical health and good shape so that when the time comes, I'm ready to ready to rock. Yeah. But like, even within that, that's what, so when I was mentioning about mindset, like you, you're finding a way to still train, you know, like, like so many people would say oh you know we don't have water here you know and then like give up you've like found a way to still train and so for me that's like so like resourceful just like finding a way to, you know to still do what you love if that makes sense yes i mean i think that if you love it and if you're committed to it you're gonna find a way to make it happen you know i had a student um oh man i don't know probably about three years ago and I thought he was mispronouncing something because he said, oh, you know, I just came back from – he would come in with a hockey stick. And I'm like, please, come on. Thailand, hot as hell. There ain't no hockey out here. So then when I actually thought about it, I was like, hey, so why do you have a hockey stick? <laughs> and he was like, 
uh, I play hockey. I'm like, where the hell do you play hockey? There's no ice rinks around here. So he told me, and, he's, and he said, yeah, quite a few of us play hockey, and the expenses to play hockey, especially for Thai people, it's unbelievably pricey. But uh, again, you know, not you know, not using your geographical location as an excuse. You know, him being in Thailand, he's like, listen, if I like hockey and I want to play hockey, I'm going to play hockey. So uh, you finding a way to keep yourself busy. How did you develop that type of, again, like what we said, that mindset to say, okay, look, no water, it's all under ice, okay? I could do some indoor things, do some tricks, but at the same time, I'm going to do my cross, you know, my cross training. I'm going to go hiking. I'm going to lift. When did that all start coming? Like 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old? I mean, when did you start developing that enthusiasm, that burning desire to just get out there? You know, I don't really know how old I was when I really started getting motivated. It was it was definitely after I started kayaking and I started at 10 um, I started competing when I was 11. Uh, yeah, probably around 12, 13 years old. Um, I started really falling in love with the, the competition side of the sport. And it just really committed me to it because I just loved it so much. It really motivated me to get better because it was so much, getting better was so much fun. That's a key point. <laughs> and things kind of took off. No, you said getting better is so much it's so much funner, like getting better in terms of, you know, just developing yourself in general or because I talked to Luke so much about this. Yeah. Well, then I, yeah. man, that's yeah. very interesting. You have a great awareness because when I was young, I didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop doing technique going over the hurdles. I should just build up the strength of my legs so I can have more power so I can have more speed. Therefore, I can get through the hurdles at a much easier you know, like a right. synchronized motion or whatever you want to call it. But I didn't have that sort of mm -hmm. knowledge because I don't know why. But you, you getting better, that is amazing. Now, how about your friends? Do, I mean, uh, are your friends in that same realm? Because I'm guessing Luke and I, we've been talking about friends, uh, friend circles a, a lot. And, you know. I am not too shy to purge people out of my life who are just dead weight to me. So do you surround yourself with winners? How did you develop that enthusiasm to learn? Um, I mean, my kayaking friends, obviously, I go to school and I've got a lot of friends at school. But I also have a lot of friends in the kayaking community that are in the same boat. They're very competitive. They're sponsored and uh, we all have the same responsibilities of taking care of our sponsorships, talking to companies, making sure that we're developing our skills and w making sure we are where we are, are where we need to be when the time comes. And so that motivation kind of spreads throughout that area of my life. But when I come back to school, it's kind of harder because like you said, I'm more around the kids that haven't quite realized that and, um, kids that maybe aren't in the same place as me, I guess. And I have a harder time relating to that. And so when I'm at school, I'm more in the thought of motivating others, trying to get some other of the people, some more people on my cross country team, trying to motivate them and telling them you can be fast. You just have to work hard for it. And it's not that it just comes easy. You just have to buckle down. And if you want to be fast, put in the extra mile and 
run harder in practice and you'll see the results. And so what's been the response from that? Some people, they get on my bandwagon and they're like, yes, I can be fast and they'll train harder. And I've, we've all seen the results and they had really good seasons. And there's also some people that just don't believe in their in themselves enough to actually do anything about it. Like they have the potential, but they don't realize it. And even when someone tells them, they just laugh. When I genuinely believe that these people can be fast, it's just about believing in yourself for a lot of them. So you have a really supportive network and you think that, you know, that helps you to keep motivated as well? Yes, definitely. Especially in the kayaking community. And my parents, of course, fully support all my insane schedules and the crazy things that I end up (laughs) wanting to do. (laughs) And that definitely helps. Like if, if I have a lot going on, then they're like, okay, you don't have to vacuum today. You can do it tomorrow. (laughs) Have that, have that backbone. Yeah. So even little things like that. Yes. Even, even the little bits of support like that, keep me motivated because I'm like, okay, I got to get all this done so that I have time to vacuum tomorrow. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people forget that even people on Team USA still have to take care of things like that. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, just mention your parents there um, briefly is if you're doing flips in the air, you know, and there's like rocks kind of in the water, how, how dangerous is this? You know, your boat just hit it like one of those sharp rocks because I've seen some of those rivers before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It depends on where you're at. Some of them, I mean, you're smashing your feet into the feature that you're surfing. And sometimes you hit a rock and it hurts your ankles. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes you get flipped and you could hit your head or something like that. But freestyle itself is not as dangerous as something like downriver racing or creaking where you're actually going down the rapids navigating through the rocks and they actually have a system that classifies those um, from one to five and five just means that there is a 20 percent chance or more of dying and you and so you fake the fear of a death (laughs) no i wouldn't say death that's crazy but you I guess kind of like NFL players too, right? I mean, all it is, you're just one wrong tackle away from being paralyzed. But um, having that on the other end, saying to yourself, you know what, it's like 80% chance or 90% chance everything's going to go well. But that small percentage chance, if something doesn't go well, it could be a catastrophe. How do you face that? Well, it keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, when when I look at a class five rapid that I'm about to run, I look at every single spot that something could go wrong. And I make sure that when I'm in the water, I am not there. Right. And so I really want to uh, real quick, I want to ask you, OK, so I know about the whitewater raft. And again, you got the grade one. Right. Or great or class one, whatever. Uh, class two, all the way up yes. to five. Is there a six? Yes. Sort of. Six is basically. Okay deemed unrunnable like well, a certain death but then if some oh if God. someone runs it uh-huh. and then they didn't die right but if someone runs a six and they don't die then from my understanding it becomes a five plus uh-huh. because it's still really hard 
but the standards just got raised because six means that nobody can run it. And if someone runs it, then obviously is, you can run it. Oh my God. Can you imagine that Luke? Like, Hey, you know what? Hey, so I'm going to go with this six. Uh, if I don't come out, uh, just send the body over to, uh, you, you know what I mean? That's just scary. Okay. So where are some of these rapids? So what does Colorado have? Because, um, here Absolutely. in Thailand, uh, to the north uh, for kayak, and they have, I think the highest is uh, two. And two, again, it's very, very comfortable. I've seen videos on YouTube. They don't have anything three and above. I heard there are some monsters out there uh, in Arizona, West Virginia. I heard there, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, well, I forgot what the names were, but it was like something yes. horrible, like Dead Man's Hell or something crazy. You know what I mean? We do have some fun names for rapids, um, but actually here in Lyons, uh, just north of where I live, or I guess northwest of where I live, uh, there's a rapid, there's a section of the North St. Brain or the South St. Brain that I have not run yet. It's a class five and I've run the lower section, which is four but the upper section where you actually start is where we do the race here in our hometown. And I haven't raced it yet because there's a lot of consequences and it's so skinny that your paddle actually doesn't even fit through it. So you have to turn your paddle lengthwise to mm -hmm. get through what we call the narrows or else your paddle could get smacked, like stuck in between either side of you and you could smash through it with your wow. chest, which I've seen happen. And that's that's not even really the, the beginning of some of the rapids that people run. I mean, you say you don't race, but like before, like before I um, do your whole freestyling, um, how much training beforehand do you have to do? Do you like train every day? Yeah, I train a few times a day in the summer every single day because like I said, there's no water here in the winter. So I try to take advantage of the fact that the rivers are running in the summertime and I'm in the water and I'm, I love it. So I, I want to be in the water all the time and I'll get up and have my coffee and then go kayaking and then I'll get out, eat breakfast and then go kayaking around lunchtime again. And sometimes I'll even kayak again in the afternoon just because it's fun. And some training sessions, I'm really focused on getting a trick and I'm treating it like training. And then other times I just need to kick back and have fun with it and remember that it's fun and go in and play and do funny tricks and clear my mind and then reset and go back to working on the trick. Wow. So, Ben, you have – okay, so what about like a failure? Have you ever suffered from a failure before? You know, just failing at something like a competition or it could be cross-country, um, you becoming devastated, you becoming heartbroken, or how do, how do you overcome those types of things? Yeah, and then bouncing back from that, I suppose. Well. Yeah, I think – I mean – it hasn't happened at anything. Well, I guess the world championships. Um, I was in third place, ranked third place coming into finals by almost 200 points. And in finals, I just think my head wasn't quite in the game. And I got bumped off the podium and got fourth. And I think, I mean, I was, I was bummed because I knew that I could do better because I had done better in semifinals. I had scored a hundred more points than what the third place spot was. And knowing that I could have done better was kind of hard for me because I didn't quite understand why I didn't. I didn't understand why I didn't perform. And I think I let the pressure just go to my head. Um, 
I was a little out of it and I flushed on, which means you get kicked out of the feature and have to paddle back up in your minute. And I flushed on my entry move. So basically right off the bat, I was out of the rapid and it was kind of over after that. And it, it made really flustered me because I had never flushed on that move before. It was actually one that I invented. And I, even when I invented it, I didn't flush. So it was, it was a hit to my, to my mental state in the midst of the one minute of my competition. And then I went back in and just couldn't stick my tricks and was just very flustered overall. And it's, it did motivate me to get better over the summer though. Um, the world championships were in November last year. And over the summer, I was very determined to get a lot more tricks and, um, make it so that I could score higher even without something like an entry move so that I wasn't so reliant on one single thing. So in turn, it did lead to me wow. getting a lot better. Yeah. And so how often are uh, like the competitions? Um, I do competitions pretty much all summer, um, May through June, and some in April, some in July, some in August. But they're pretty much all wrapped up from – end of August all the way till end of March. Okay. So when you had that challenging time, how how long was it before like the next competition when you could really get back into the ring and, you know, prove that you can do it, you know, and if mm-hmm. that makes sense and just get back in that type of, type of environment. And how did you feel when you got back to like a proper competition? Well, I did train over the winter a lot because there was nationals in April. And so... And I ended up getting not placing that great there either because I came off of no water. But after that, I came home and there was some water. Uh, I could go out. It was thawed out at least. So as long as I was willing to bear the cold, I could paddle in the river uh, small amounts. And I got in flat water. And just by the time May came around, so about 